You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So it's Father's Day, and I, uh, I thought I, I, it'd probably be a great thing if I brought a Father's Day message to all the dads. And so I went to this uh, website. It's allprodad.com. Allprodad.com. How many of us want to be all pros as dads? Uh, Tony Dungy is uh, the, one of the leaders of this organization, a uh, great, great man of God. And, and they put down the top 10 things that loving fathers do. Here are the top 10 things that loving fathers do. Okay, so here's number one. Loving fathers love their children's mother. How important is that? Loving fathers love their children's mother. And, and here, here's the reality is that for all of us that fall short, there's always Jesus, right, that helps us. So number two, they love their children unconditionally. They love their children unconditionally. How many of you know it, that your children will teach you right away that we all make mistakes? Yeah. Number two. So number three of top ten things loving fathers do, you need to grow up. The fathers need to grow up. Quit acting like a little kid, Right? Do kid things and have fun, but there's a time that we grow up. One of the things that my, one, one, of our, um, uh, one of our children said to me one time is, you know, Dad, there's, there's this guy, and he's still trying to act uh, 20 years old, and he's 50. So that taught me a lot. If you're 50, act 50, right? Anyways, grow up. Number four, be there. Be there. We need to be there for our families. They need our time more than they need anything else. Number five, provide. We should provide for our kids. That's what loving fathers do. Number six, this is something that we really are hard-pressed because everything around us says that we're not supposed to do this, but we should discipline. Loving fathers discipline their children, right? Number seven, we should value education. We should value education, our youngest son would say, Dad, C's get degrees. I said, well, get C's then. <laughs> C's get degrees. We should value education. Number eight, raise them, and this is my favorite, raise them to leave. Raise them to leave. Very biblical, very biblical, number eight. Number nine, teach them to take responsibility. Teach them not to blame everything else for what they're doing wrong. Teach them to, to, to own up to what they're doing. Teach them responsibility. And then number 10, teach them to love this life. Teach them to love this life. Teach them to find the positive in today. Right? There's so much negative around us. We need to teach our kids to love this life despite everything that's going on around us. You know, we live in a, in a world that undermines uh, the impact, the authority, and the importance of dads. 
The reality is that dads make such a difference in, in the lives of, of children and in the lives of, of teens and the life of young adults. Um, it, it's a game changer when us dads are a part of our, of our kids' lives. And, and the other thing I want to say as I go into this message is all of us fall short. That's why we need God. You know why we come to church? Because we need God, right? Because we can't do it ourselves. This is a, a declaration that we need someone to help us and to save us from, from the things where we fall short and save us from ourselves. So this is not in any way uh, you're falling short as a dad. This is what does God call us to do? What does the Lord call us to do? And, and I want us to go to um, uh, chapter 2 of Genesis because it is, the, it is the, the, the picture of how God created humans, and he created a man first. And so we're going to look at this text to help us to understand how was Adam created, and, and where were, what were the qualities that this man had who was the first dad, who was the first uh, husband, and we're not going to look at, at, at you know, as, as much as uh, what he did as a husband. That's another sermon. But we're going to look at what he did as, as, as a man of God, as, as a dad to be. And, and there are things in there that can really help us because every man should be walking or living out these qualities that God has instilled in every person. And so I want us to go there. I want to pray a blessing over, uh, over this text. And so let's pray over the word. Father, thank you for uh, every person that's here. Lord, thank you that you've given us your word to guide us and direct us in our lives, uh, to keep us from stumbling. As, and, and as we talk about dads, I pray uh, that you will guide me in this message that I've prepared. Holy Spirit, give me the, the wisdom and the ability to speak in a way that is clear and confident and more than anything that brings glory to you. And so, uh, Lord, we just, we just thank you that you're here. And as Tim said earlier, you are the father. You show us how to father, and so we pray we can uh, emulate that, that we can imitate that, and uh, ultimately give you glory in everything we do. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So we're going to be looking at chapters uh, 2, verses 4 through 7. I'm also going to look at verse 15 and 16, and then skip to 18, and then 19 and 20, and uh, see what, what, what the Word tells us about, about men and how we should live out our lives so it says in verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, uh, so that's a thrust. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth. Okay, so no shrub and no, uh, no kind of vegetation because there had not been any rain. And the reason for that, for that on the earth, because there was no one to work the ground. That's important. So in this paradise, there needed to be someone to work the ground. Verse 6, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. All this makes sense because when we die, we go back into what? Dirt, dust, right? And everything makes sense here. Um, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, 
You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So, so he said, you can eat from anything, all the, all the fruit, all the harvest, except for one. He, 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 I left that out, but, but if you were to read the, the whole context, he says, you cannot eat of the, of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he, he goes on to verse 18, and he says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. That's important for us to grab a hold of. And the reason it's so important is because everything in the creation account is God saying this is good except for one place. In verse 18, he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. You with me? I will make a helper suitable for him. And then in verse uh, 19 and 20, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man. Notice he didn't bring the man to the animals. So we're not supposed to try to act like animals. Animals are trained under man, right? He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Have you noticed that we're still naming animals? I got Kobe Bean at the house, kicking back. Our dog. Anyone have a dog at home, our cat? Who named it? Did it name you guys? No, you named it. It's very biblical, right? Verse 20, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. And what I want for us to take away from this whole text is that, Dad, you are a difference maker. Everyone in here is, but we're talking to dads today. We're talking to men. You are a difference maker. God made you that way. And I want to talk about four God-given qualities that we're called to live out. The first quality, and I pray that, that all of us will grab a hold of how important this is, is that you were created to experience a full life. You were Created to experience a full life. Verse 7 says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. From dirt we came, and from dirt we will return. How can dirt live with God? How can dirt be brought to life? Through God. With God, all things are possible. When you, when you think that your life is not worth anything, you need to know that with God, all things are possible. And God desires us to have a full life. Every breath should matter to us. That breath that you just took, it matters to you. It should matter to you because it matters to someone else, and it especially matters to God because every breath that we take is a gift from above. To every person that's ever felt like dirt, let me tell you, you're more than dirt to God. He breathes life into you. You know, it's amazing to me that God started with dirt and made a masterpiece. But the greatest part of you is that God came to give you life. And Adam didn't just have bios life, bios, meaning uh, a physical life, but he had zoe life, which means spiritual life. 
He had this relationship with God Almighty, with God the Father. This is pretty interesting. Think about it. Adam walked with God. Jesus taught us that God is our Father. And so he had this relationship. Adam had this relationship with God. Not only did he have physical life in that he could do all the things he needed to do, but he had this spiritual life where he could actually talk to his creator. And that's exactly what God wants for every single one of us. He wants us to not only have physical life, he wants us to have this spiritual life where we're in relationship with him. And then your life is complete. And then your life becomes full because you're walking with the almighty God. Until you do that, your life is only lived halfway. We see things like, you know, the walking dead. We see things like, oh, these things. The reality is that there is that part of life that when we don't have this Zoe, this spiritual life, that we're just incomplete. We're, we were called to have this communion with God, and we do it with, with, uh, with Jesus. Uh, when, when I hear someone say something like, I, you need to live life to the fullest. Anyone ever told you that? You need to live life to the fullest. You need to give your day everything. That, that's a wonderful statement. But the reality is that you cannot live life to the fullest until you have God in your life. And Jesus helps us here. Jesus said this, I have come. He said, first, he said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. And so I think that there are dads in here that, that, that you are been bombarded with all this negativity. And us as fathers, we go through seasons, we go through stages, and sometimes we feel inadequate, sometimes we feel not needed, sometimes we feel like if, like if we're, we're second best. But here's the reality that when you have Jesus Christ in your life, he has completed you and he gives you an abundant life and a full life and you need to experience that. You need to grab a hold of that every morning when you wake up. And every night when you go to bed, you need to say, thank you, Lord, that you've given me this full life, and I want to live it out and walk it out to bring you glory. You'll never experience this until the Holy Spirit takes residence in your life and in your heart. So maybe you're here today and... and, uh, and, and you're not experiencing this. And, and so as I continue to preach and, and teach and the Lord continues to move, my, my prayer is that maybe today you're going to say, I want to open up my heart to everything God has for me. Holy Spirit, I had I, asked for you to come and fill me. Jesus, I need for you to be the, the centerpiece of my life. I need to be the, for you to be the very, very center, the very aspect of everything that I do. And I'll tell you that things change. When you let Jesus become a part of your life, when you let, he completes you. Because let me tell you something. I, I talked about those seasons of life. You know, when you're raising your kids and, and at, you know, at, when they're babies, I mean, you're a superhero, right? Then they become toddlers and you're still a superhero, but it's a little bit different. They become children. They, they different season, teenagers, a lot changes. <laughs> Young adults, even greater than that. It was so funny because um, uh, a couple weeks ago, my grandson comes up to me and he says, Grandpa, now I'm, I, I really believe that I'm my grandson's hero for the most part because the way that he acts. And, and that's just me. I'm biased that way. But he comes up to me. My, my oldest son was, was visiting and uh, he comes up to me and he says, Grandpa. I said, what's going on, Stephen? Your muscles are baby muscles. 
I was like, what are you talking about? He said, Uncle JJ's got big muscles. I said, I made Uncle JJ. So the reality is we, we need to live our lives to the full. We need to, we need to live our lives and walk in the fullness of God. And, and, and it doesn't matter how big your, your biceps are. You can still live it out for Jesus, right? That's what I want to say. <laughs> number two, number two, you were created to create. You were created to create. The greatest truth that you can grab a hold of in your life is that you were created for purpose. Not only for purpose, but with purpose. It said the Lord God formed, or, or the Lord God, no, not formed, the Lord God, after he formed him, the Lord God took the man. He took the man and he put him in the garden. And as he put him in this garden of paradise, Eden, he, he said, I want you to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man. He said, you, you know, he, then he said, I'm going to give you instruction with it. You're free to eat from any tree. All of this work that you're going to do, all this cultivation, all this harvesting you're going to do, you can eat of any fruit, but there's one fruit that's going to be dangerous for you. There's one thing that can be harmful for you. And the purpose of every man is, is for us to care for God's good creation. What this shows us right here is that Adam was created for purpose and for, and for, and for working and creating things that were going to be a blessing to him and bring glory to God. Here's the thing, beloved. Work is something that's positive for us, and work was intended not only after the fall. It was intended for man before the fall. And the reason that we work is so that we can create, so we can do things that we can take a step back and say, look at what I was able to do through the help of God. The house that you're living in, can I tell you something? That shows you that you've been faithful to the things of God and he's allowed for you to live in this place. Have you ever taken a step back from your house and say, thank you, Lord, for what I have? You ever done work around your house? You ever done, you know, a garden or you've done, uh, you know, done some work, uh, uh, you know, outside, maybe a painting or a painting inside, it, whatever you're doing. Have you ever done, done that? And at first it's like so hard. Uh, this week we were, I'm taking out a, a, a planter because we're getting ready to paint the house. And, and uh, so I'm taking out this planter in the front and I had this chipping gun, the chipping hammer that, that, uh, that, that I borrowed so I could use that. And then, um, so I'm working, I, I, of course, uh, because I, I, I don't want to be selfish with the glory on creating. I, I called someone up to help, you know. <laughs> so I, I called Alex. I called Alex Chavez, you know, teenager. He's in summer break. So I said, Alex, come, come help me, please, you know. And so we're chipping away and working on this. And, and, and when we got done, well, that's not the end of the story. It was so hard and it gets so hot. Have you noticed that? It got so hot, we were working, and, and so I said, let's take a little break, and, and so later on that evening, uh, his, his dad came by, and he brought this, I had this little chipping gun, you know, it was really nice, you know, with my big muscles that Stephen talked about, and so I'm working this, this, this block in concrete, so then his dad says, oh, I got something better than that, he says, about 100 pounds, this, this hammer, 
this, uh, what's it called? Jackhammer, yeah. I can't even think about it. It was so heavy. So he gets his jackhammer, and we're working, and I mean, this shaking me. But then when you take a step back, it was all done. We would have never got that done in one day. But you take a step back, and you say, look at what I was able to accomplish. And every single one of us, you need to grab a hold of the fact that, that God has, has allowed for us to have work, not to be a burden, but so that it could be a, an expression of your creativity. It could be an expression of what God can, can do through you. Uh, you know, I, I hear Benny say, thank you, Lord. And I, I think about Benny. He's a welder, so he can fabricate things with metal. And every person in here, some of you guys, you, you build homes, uh, you build buildings, you do cabinet work. Everything that you do is for the glory of God. Don't ever think of work as a burden. It's hard for us. I mean, some of, the, some of my, I have to be uh, transparent with you. Some of my biggest fights with my wife was when we were doing a project. Something happens to me. And I was like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I don't know if that's Latino blood. I don't know what it is, but if something comes up. And then when we're all done, I'm like, I'm sorry, babe. I shouldn't have said that, blah, 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 all these things. <laughs> and here's, here's something I want for everyone to grab a hold of as well. Every man in here is good with something. Right? Everyone in here is good with something. So Paul said this. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Ain't that crazy? Whatever you do, work with it with all your heart. As if you're working for the Lord, not for your wife. Or it doesn't say that. Not for your husband, right? Not for, your hu- not for human masters. Well, that's kind of about the same, right? <laughs> what, baby? What do you want me to do? See, I really believe this. this is where I'm, I'm kind of staying with this second point. Uh, work is a burden. Work is a burden when our priorities are not right. Have you noticed that? When our priorities are not right, when it's all about us, and we feel, you know, we're, we're really being pressed down, it's a, it becomes a burden, but when we do, we do it to glorify God, it doesn't matter what we're going through, he will change our tude. He will change our attitude when we do it for his glory and not for ours. And so there may be someone in here, and you're, you're complaining about work, you're complaining about your boss, you know, you're complaining about whatever that boss, whatever face that is, uh, if we change it and understand that this is an opportunity for us to create and for us to bring glory to God, I think it'll change everything that we do. Paul said something else that I think is very important, and I think it's vital for us as Christians. It's vital for us as Christ followers. God never called us to be lazy people. Do you know that? Paul, Paul, in talking to the Thessalonians, he said this. He said, said, when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work doesn't get a chorizo burl. (laughs) Right? The one who is unwilling to work doesn't get uh, Dunkin' Donuts afterwards, right? No, really what Paul was saying is that 
All of us have the ability to chip in. And the reason that is so important is if you do not work, you will never find the creative expression that God has placed in us. In us. I didn't say you, I said in us. And so the more that we allow God to work that in us, and sometimes we think, well, it, you know, I, I need more money, I need, I need a bigger salary for me to do more work. Think about it this way. If you do it unto Christ, he'll take care of all the rest. Are you with me? If you do it unto Christ, he'll take care of all the rest. Here's number three. You were created for companionship. And the reason that this is so important is because us men isolate ourselves most of the time. Let me ask you a question, and you don't have to raise your hand. Let me ask you a question. How many of you men have a good friend in your life? How many of you men have a good friend in your life? You, know, you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but, but thank, thank you for being honest. How many of you have people that, that are around you that safeguard you from blind spots? How many, when, when you think about a good friend, let me ask another question. When you think about a good friend, is, that, is this a friend that tells you everything you want to hear? Uh, it's, it's kind of rhetorical, right? The reality here is that, that good friends tell us what we need to hear, not what, not what we want to hear, okay? This is very interesting. If you, read the, if you read the narrative, you read chapter 1 and then chapter 2. In chapter 1, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. It talks about, this is the creation story, it talks about God. Jehovah created the heavens and the earth, earth. In chapter 2, it says, then the Lord God created. It, it, it goes into a fine-tuning. The Lord God is Yahweh Elohim. Okay? It's, it's a covenant name of God. It's a personal, relational name of God. Jesus reveals God to us in the Godhead. That there's, the God is expressed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's important for you to grab a hold of. And the reason it's important for you to grab a hold of is because God is a relational God in relation with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In fact, John chapter 17 tells you, he said, Father, glorify these with the same glory that I had at the very beginning of time. So it tells us that he was in relationship, Jesus was, with the Father. Why is that important, beloved? Because God doesn't need us in his life. He's chosen us because we are a wonderful part of what he wants to experience in relationship. And he says in verse 18, which is so, so important, he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Your biggest enemy, your biggest enemy is when you live life isolated. The way that the devil will get you, man, you need to hear this, man of God. So do I. The way that the devil will get you is to separate you from everybody. From God, right? You start doing things, you start, you're in those hidden places from God, but then from others, others who love God. Because people that love God will love you. So my good friend came from San Diego last week, and we had a, amazing services. 
his wife taught at our um, women's conference, and, and so him and I hung out. We went out, and we do, we do what, you know, men do best. We went out and did some golfing. And so we were out there, but the reality, it's not the golf that was important, because I hadn't golfed like in about a year. It wasn't the golf that was important. It was the companionship that we had. And because he gets it, he gets where I'm at. He gets what, I'm, what I deal with on a day-to-day. He was able to speak into my life, and I was able to speak into his life. And, and, and we can be real people. We can be real men. Beloved, all of us need someone in our lives. Because if we don't have that, it's not good. It's never good for the man to be alone. Never. That's why it's so important for us to appreciate our wives. The, 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 the writer of Proverbs said this, He who finds a wife finds what is good. And we've got to grab a hold of that. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives not only, not only do you find something good, but you receive the favor of God. I want everyone to look at their wives right now, and I want you to say, you know what? You're good. If you're married in here, just look at your wife real quick. Just do it. Don't be afraid. Say, you are good. If you can't do this, there's something wrong. Say, you are good. Yeah. Now, wives, look at them, too, because the wives are going like, you haven't said this in like three months. <laughs> I know what you're saying. You're good. And if we do that daily, then we receive favor from God. Do you notice that the number one thing that all, allprodad.com said, the, the number one thing about a loving father was loving fathers love their children's mother. How important is that, that we model that? Okay. One, one last scripture, and then I'll move on. So we, not only do we need our wives, and we need to be in this covenant relationship. There's no other relationship like you and your wife. But the, the people that you have around you are for strengthening those, those men that are going to safeguard you from, from blind spots. I love Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 12. It says, a person that's standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Who wants to attack us? The enemy, right? The devil, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Have you noticed that you're stronger with, when someone is on your side? And then it says, three are even better. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And the last thing that I want to talk about, you were created unique. Men of God, there is no one like you. And the wives said, Thank you, Jesus. We couldn't handle another one. But you thought it. God has made, God has made man different than all created things. You're not. This is important because of what people are being taught, especially our, our children. You are not the thing that, that was created by God. You're not that thing. You are a person. You're not an animal. You didn't come from animals. 
You might act like an animal, but you're not. Every man has been given the, the privilege and the responsibility for everything that has been created. Do you notice that we have animal control? Who does that? Who takes care of that? People. You notice that we have uh, game and fish that regulate Who does that? People. Whose idea was that? People's. Environmentalists that that take care of our, our, uh, you know, uh, health, uh, environmental health. We've got all these different things. Humane society. Who does that? People. Right? We've been given that privilege to be responsible for all that God has created. Let's look at that uh, verse 19 and 20 again. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. They were created out of what? Out of what? Out of the ground. Okay, that's, why is that important? We're going to look at it right now. Okay, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock. How much of the livestock? All, all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. God brought, think about this. Maybe you never thought about it, maybe you have. Why didn't God just name the animals? He's smarter than us. Why didn't God just name the animals? Because he wanted man to know that he's different than them. He wanted man to know that he's given him authority over this earth. You need to know that you're different than every, every other created thing. You're different. You are God's prized creation. Now check this out. This is so amazing. Every created thing even the created person came out of the dirt. Where did Eve come from? She came out of man. And God fashioned her. Let me put it another way. And God fashioned her. And everyone went, I am glad. My, I am so happy. I am so blessed that my, that my good God fashioned my wife. He didn't do this. He did this. And it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And if we don't celebrate the goodness of God, that you're unique and that there's no one like you, if you don't celebrate that, you'll lose the focus on how good life can be. Some of you men, can I tell you, you're so blah. <laughs> we can get so blah. We can get so dead because we're not experiencing the fullness of God. We're not experiencing the uniqueness of God. You should leave out of here with a skip, with a, uh, a skip in your step. If you're married, you can celebrate this. If you're not married, get married. So you can sell. I always get into trouble when I start talking. 
Here's what, here's what Jesus said. Here's, here's, I'm sorry. Here's what Paul said about who we are. Because, see, everything in, in this Adam that, we're, that I'm talking about, this is what we should be experiencing. But the first Adam did everything wrong. But the second Adam did everything right. And that's Jesus. Okay? But this is what, this is what Paul wrote about every Christian. So I'm talking to men today. It says, we are God's handiwork. You see, God's not afraid to work. Right? And we're God's handiwork. He's, he's doing good things. And then he goes on, we are created in who? Okay, that was like, are you guys awake? It's Father's Day. Come on. Who created in Christ Jesus, right? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing that for us. Right? Thank you, Lord. We're going to do that this week. Now, here are three easy steps to help you experience your difference-making qualities. Here are the three steps, okay? The first thing is simple. Choose to make Jesus the life source of your day. Thank you, Lord. Let everything be counted for your glory. Thank you for that breath. Number two, okay? Find a, uh, find a place to serve. Find a place to work, to use your hands, in and outside of the church. Can, can we give a big hand to everyone that serves? Can we give a big hand? If you ushered here today, we want to give you a big hand. If you're in children's ministry, we want to give you a big hand. If you, last night, our student leaders, if you're a student leader, stand up real quick. Stand up if you're a student leader. Just stand up. I know you guys didn't sleep last night, but stand up. They, let me tell you what they did. Let me tell you what they did. They had a, they had a sleepover with all the, the, the students, all the youth, and, uh, and they had made pancakes for their dads this morning. Thank you for what you're doing to make a difference in everybody. Find a place that you can serve in and outside the church where you can grow in your creative gifting. All of us. You know, Rick, Rick Hyman, I, you know, He's our director of our other campus in Kearney. You know that Rick this week, he saved us about 2,000 bucks. Rick, Dennis Halverson, and Chuck uh, um, Warren, they installed the sign, the new sign that we have over there. It's, it's a, they, someone said it's a beacon of light to that whole community when it's all lit up. Give Rick a big hand for what he's doing. Using her creative ability and gifting. And here's number three. Don't live your life alone. There's someone in here. You've isolated yourself and you know it. You've isolated yourself from the people that care. And the devil is trying to play you like a fiddle. This is what I told my kids all the time. The devil wants to play you like a fiddle. Like an instrument. And the way that you get played like a fiddle as an instrument of the devil is if you live your life alone alone because you lose your joy and you lose your love for God's people and for God. So don't live your life alone. Connect to church. Let me do this. I'm going to applaud you for being in church this morning. I want to applaud you for being in church. Connect to a small group. The greatest investment you could make is being in a small group every week and celebrating the word of God together. If you're not in a small group, go to the Welcome Center. We can get you connected to a small group. 
It'd be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We've got all the tools so that you can have the thriving small group. And then the last thing that I want to say, you should have a mentor in your life. Every person should have a mentor in their life. Everyone should have someone that's wise and that will speak into your life and find the blind spots. Let me just, a show of hands. Anyone in here have a mentor? Anyone have a mentor? Find a mentor. You should have someone that's pouring into your life continuously until the day that we take our last breath. So, I'm done. Except we're going to give out some prizes. My lovely wife is coming up. Happy Father's Day. So, um, we did... uh, there might be a nice aroma out there as well with some of us student leaders because we didn't know that we didn't have hot water. So not only did we camp out all night and played games and got very stinky, we had no showers this morning. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.